Welcome to our podcast, Barriers to Bridges. I'm Melissa Baco. I'm currently an assistant principal at Santiago High School. And I'm Dana Barron. I'm a teacher on special assignment in science and STEM, and we both work in the lovely Corona Norco Unified School District. Barriers to Bridges is on a mission to share stories of leaders in education who break down barriers and build bridges of opportunity, not only for themselves, but for others around them. Hey, howdy, hey. Shout out to Brittany Conrad. She told me that she liked it when I said that, so I'm going to keep saying it. So today our guest is Trisha Thompson, super grounded, amazing female leader. And she talks about her diverse upbringing. Um, Her father was Cuban, her mother is Dutch, and how that shaped her to really appreciate the American dream and all the things that the United States has to offer and her experience in private school in an all-girls school and how that really shaped her ideas around differences in gender and how students learn differently. And she was really strong in math and science and actually started out as a math major. And she'll talk about her struggles there and how she ultimately changed her major to become a teacher. And We just love hearing all the things she has to say about special education. She's very knowledgeable. How she even wears this hat of a mom and a wife to a first responder. And that was totally another separate, very interesting uh, conversation we had with her. And then we dive into mental health and managing stress and social emotional learning and all that good stuff and end the episode really talking about inclusion of students with disabilities and how that's really close to her heart and I just think it is a great episode and I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts all the support we've received so far Uh, we truly appreciate it we didn't know if this was going to resonate with with people and we have received a lot of feedback that it is. So we thank you. Please continue to give us feedback on our social media outlets. And we also want to thank our male listeners for listening because we know these first couple episodes have been very girl power. And we appreciate that you listen to our perspective. I mean, in this particular episode, we talk about our husbands and how supportive they are of us. And so we appreciate all our listeners, and we're going to jump right into the middle of a conversation. I hope y'all love it as much as we do. To bring the human factor back when, when you know people. Yeah. We, don't, like, we don't have time to get to know people anymore. Yeah. Everything's so fast and... And all we know is, like, I didn't know any of this stuff about you. I just know a snapshot of you. Yeah. And I was telling Baco when um, Sam introduced himself to us, I loved that. I loved that he gave us his, like, background and his story and where he grew up. And then I was immediately, like, without even knowing it, I liked him more. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so, yeah. Welcome. Thank you for being here. We have Trisha Thompson with us today. So I'll dive right in where I first met you, I'm pretty sure. And it's kind of funny because it's also where I first met Shelly, who we've also interviewed. (laughs) And it was cognitive coaching we took together. And but what what I remember connecting with you over was at the time we were really into LuLaRoe. Oh yeah. I was wearing some and you were, you were like, that's super cute. And I was like, and you had like a creative way to wear it. Yeah. I remember. And I was like, that's really cute. How did you do wow. that? And I you showed we just me ourselves by saying that. <laughs> just I know you showed me and you put it, you showed me like the tricks. And then what I liked about you in that setting was that you're well, I think you bring like a factor of fun to everything you do. So I that's my goal. 
Yeah, you know, and something that tends, sometimes, let's be real, like sometimes we're sitting in things and we're not, we're just there. Like we're listening, whatever, but it's not maybe fun. And I feel like everything you do, you bring a factor of fun. Oh, thank you. I really do try. (laughs) Well, and I'm just thinking being an admin director in special education, you have to bring some fun. I do. (laughs) We laugh all the time in there because you can't make this stuff up some days. Yes. (laughs) I, yes, 100%. So how I know Trisha Um, you know, our paths haven't really crossed too much other than knowing, you know, I knew Trisha was a principal. Um, I knew that she was promoted into the admin director position in special ed. You joined our leading while female book study for Corona Norco. So we kind of got to cross paths there a little bit, but just, I feel like I know you just through your special ed because we knew when Trisha Thompson became admin director because the communication in the SPED department like dramatically increased. And I know just us being at the sites, how much um, I, I loved you before I even knew you just because the, the communication um, aspect of it. And it's so important for us at the site to get that communication, that feedback in a timely manner. So, I mean, when you got that position, like it was like, hallelujah, because it kind of <laughs> opened a whole nother level of communication and support at the sites. Thanks. So that's kind of my realm of, of knowing who you are. And I'm really excited to find out a little bit more about you and make that connection and build that relationship a little more. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I appreciate both of those. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm sure it's because you you were at the site with these teachers, but you have like you you have like a Trisha fan club. I like, do. <laughs> I have a teacher tribe of people that I just, I think teachers are probably the coolest people in the world. And I don't, and I still consider myself a teacher. When people ask me like, what do you do? I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm an educator. Um, I, I do. All of my best friends are teachers in this district. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a very close tribe. Uh, we even have like a girl gang. We are the lucky seven. Um, and I, I have a girl gang. We got hats and shirts and we are a girl gang. And, and that they're part of what helps me, uh, remain grounded in what's happening in the classroom. That's huge. Um, and they keep me real. So yeah, they're awesome. But yeah, thank you. I do. I do have a a little tribe. (laughs) I love it. I'm glad because this is going to sound really silly, but I've heard that it can be lonely, you know, in, in admin positions because maybe people don't see you the same or, you know, your friendship changes or whatever, all the reasons. So it makes me happy to see that if I decide to go into admin, you can still Well, and I think that that can even get lost. Like, whereas I'm still at the site as an admin, but moving to the district, you even lose like the site experience and what's going on at the sites because you're now, you're twice removed from the classroom because you're not even at a site. So having that, having that group. And I know a lot of my good friends, like, like you, Trisha, they're teachers. So they help keep me grounded in keep my reality of what's really happening in the classroom, not from my office. So I agree with you 100%. But you know what? It's great because I I have those friends that will bring me the perspective, but also understand that, you know, on the weekends when it's time for us to go for a hike or do whatever, we we just need to be moms or wives or friends or, you know, and, and, and have that understanding, which is huge. Um, but you, you need to have your people like it's huge, especially when you're a female and when you're a working mom and all those things, you need to have your people that you can be like, Oh my goodness, this is what my kid just did. Or this is what has just happened at work. Or you need your people. And, and agreed. Yeah. It's, it's cool. <laughs> your people of no judgment. <laughs> no, yeah. Whatever's going to come out of my mouth, whatever. you're going to support me. <laughs> We're good. Yes. <laughs> or you just, you don't have to you can be yourself. hundred people that you can be yourself Absolutely. Yeah, around. You don't have to like put on a mask of no, any sort no. of yourself. Yeah. So let's, let's hear a little bit about your childhood, your yeah. upbringing. You have a really interesting story. I do have an interesting story. So, um, I, I have, amazing. I grew up with amazing parents. Um, and my dad was a Cuban immigrant 
came to this country on a boat when he was eight years old. And my mom is, is Dutch. So Cuban dad, Dutch mom, I ended up like this. <laughs> and <laughs> that's just, you know, that is, it is who I am. It's just such a great part of who I am because when I grew up, my, you know, my dad spoke Spanish, not always at home, but I did get the Spanish from some of my aunts and my grandmother. And then my mom, you know, I grew up in a, in, you know, a pretty white household. We had like sloppy joes for dinner and pot roast. It was that, so I never really had the Cuban food a lot other than with some of my family, but it was, it was very interesting because my dad had a very different appreciation for the American life because he wasn't, he didn't grow up that way always. And so he had this huge heart for his patriotism and, and what, what being in this country meant as far as opportunities for his family. And so it, he was a huge part of me growing up. My dad was an engineer. He was educated here in the United States. He, he pretty much lived on the streets with my aunts for a few years because they, uh, my grandparents spoke out against the government in Cuba and were, um, my grandfather was incarcerated for a short time because of it. And so it just as there's a fabulous story that goes along with that. And so he didn't have a lot, but then when my grandparents got here, they put him in college, made sure that, that he and my aunts went to college and they fought for that American dream like nobody's else, no, nothing else. My mom is one of 13 Dutch kids that grew up in Southern California. They had a dairy, so they needed farm hands. So there's that, that different part of, of how she grew up. And then I am the oldest of two. My brother is two years younger than I am. And we grew up in a very loving home, but I never attended public school, not once until I went to college. <laughs> so I was a product of Catholic school all the way up. I did girls private high school for high school. And that was such an amazing experience that um, just really cemented for me how females learn differently than males and, and how females have to be encouraged differently than males. And um, there's just, there's a, just a huge difference to, to what happened in that environment. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to dive into that a little bit because, so I went to some PD, this was years ago. I was very interested in, well, I'm raising boys, but I was very interested in the gender research around brain research. Just, I like brain research. And there at the time was research around girl, all girls and all boys. And now I'm going to have to look it up, but they found, if I'm correct, that girls do better just with girls, just with girls, but that boys do better mixed with girls. Yeah. There's a lot (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because I, another stat that I love to like talk about all the time is that married men live longer. (laughs) And I just love to There's say it's because that. they need us. I was going to say, that's because they need us. They need us. Yes. Well, I just learned so much. Um, so the way that I compare it is when I went, because I went to St. Lucie's in Glendora, all girls Catholic high school, um, math and science were pushed big time. So, and so like I was an AP calculus kid passed the exam playing. Like that was my jam. I couldn't tell you a lick of it now, but like, but that was my jam then, but they knew that girls needed a different engagement. And so when I, my brother went to all boys high school and it was very different for him and how they engage with them in classes as far as things. Ours is like the idea of girls don't ask questions when they're in a mixed room of of boys and girls. The the likelihood of them asking questions, especially in a topic like math is way less. And so that they really pushed us there, obviously, because we were all girls. We're all like, and we're all high achieving, right? So we all, we've got to be able to get this going. We would all ask questions. We would work together whenever we could. There was a huge amount of working together, which when you're in a mixed environment, it's it's a little bit more unlikely that you're going to have girls working together, supporting each other, right? And so that was, that was a huge aha for me as far as, um, you know, do we, are we doing the best we can for kids by, you know, is there a way that we could do things differently? I know that there's mixed feelings on the gender part, but I, I saw the benefit of it. And really for me, high school was like, my parents needed me to get there, make sure I was getting my stuff done and the social stuff needed to be like on the outside. And so it was really good for me. Yeah. Well, especially you touched on it, especially in technical subjects such as math and science. Yeah. So that there's been a lot of research around that. We 
girls would ask questions in language arts classes mm -hmm. for whatever reason. They have a lot more research around it now, but in technical subjects such as math and science or engineering STEM, mm -hmm. they would be quiet and wouldn't ask questions and a lot of times would be the minority as you went along when you could choose classes. Yes. So I will absolutely but, talk about that. Too. I was going to say that kind of leads in kind of, yeah. you know, I was reading some of the stuff that you sent us in yeah. just you went to college to be a math major. I did. I went to college to be a math major because I was, I was amazing. I, I mean, I, in my own head, I was amazing. Math. I was like, I got <laughs> was amazing. This. You go, I was girl. Amazing. Like, I, my brain thinks in equations. My brain thinks in numbers. I just knew. And, and I mean, essay is not my thing. I think in numbers all the time. Uh, went to college. Thought this is my jam. I have got this. And. When you're a math major, a lot of, when I started, it was a lot of computer, you had to take computer science as part of your classes. So it was an intro computer science class. It was programming in C++. I remember it distinctly. I, 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 I sat in the class and I was one of three females in a room of about a hundred people. And mind you, I'm not that old. It wasn't that long ago. Like, I, well, I'm telling myself I'm not that old, but I'm not. <laughs> it You're not that, that old. Okay. It wasn't it's that It's a number. Age is a number. Age is That's a number. Right. I'm going to tell myself that. Perfect. Age is a number. <laughs> It's getting a bigger number every year, but that's a whole other thing. So it's still a number. It's still a number. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm one of three girls in a room of a hundred people. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is an intro computer programming class. And I am pretty darn smart. Like what is happening? I feel like they're speaking French around here. And I remember, and I was like, okay, I'm new at this college thing. I just got to go talk to the professor during um, during office hours. So I go to him and I said, okay, I'm going to need some support. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> like I I'm lost and I've been to every class. I'm doing all the reading I know how to do. And he's like, well, maybe this just isn't for you, you know? And that was like the general response that I got. And I thought, and I, so I kept going, kept asking, kept asking. I finished the whole semester, worked my tail off. And I think I got a D or an F. It was not great, but I remember I was working so hard. I'm like, how can they give me a D or an F? I'm trying everything I know here. And so I, I petitioned the university and I, and I said, I need this dropped. And then I had, you know, kept record of some of the conversations that were not in a, a they were not incredibly positive. In, in, That's what I was going to say. Was yeah. it a DNF because of what your skills and what you learned or were there some biases in there? I feel like there were some biases in there about what I could or couldn't have done. Like, cause okay. I tried, I mean, and I also tried to get the help in there too, because it was one of those classes that you don't pass this class. You can't take other further ones up for your major. Right. So I ended up, I think I was able to get some other type of class to counter. I don't remember, but I kept going in the major, kept going in the major. I got to one of my upper division math classes there. And uh, it was like the first one I got big old lecture hall. It was all lecture. And the guy just kept writing on the board, like formulas, right? No, no, no lecture. And I mean, I'm a female. I learned by story, right? I learned by us talking things through and, uh, and you know, upper division math, a lot of times the professors don't speak very much English. So it was a little bit, it was a struggle for me. Right. So it was just, you know, you need to get whatever's happening on the board. And then I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm struggling with all these people with instruction. I know I'm a bright person. I I've got this, like, what is going on here? So that's when I decided at that point, I was like, you know what? I need to do some self-reflection of like, really, do I really want to be a math major or is there something else? And then that's when I was like, you know what? I want to be a teacher, but I like the challenge of, of things that are difficult. I like the challenge of creativity, of knowing I need to come up with something new. I am going to go for something different. And so that's when I decided I was going to get dual credentials. So I have a multiple subjects and I have a mild, moderate disabilities credential. Um, and that was, that was my, I, I knew I wanted to teach. I didn't know. I knew I wanted to have both though, because I felt about the best gen ed teacher should know SPED and the best SPED should know gen ed. Um, and that was, that was really what spoke to my heart as far as getting both credentials. And so, and then I finished a year later with my master's and sped there too. So, but that's how well, I, that's I how have I, a mild mod credential too. I did so, know that about you. <laughs> which I never thought that would be a path for me. Yeah. And let me tell you, those are my people. 
But yeah. I agree. I think there should be some cross training and not just the one class that you yeah. take in your credential. Well, there is some major changes coming in the credential pipeline. I love it. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, Cause I'm, I've been working with a couple of the local universities, but they are rewriting things where it is very likely you're going to have people graduating with both from now on just because there's, it's a need. so needed. Yeah. It's so neat because here's the thing that I learned and I was pretty early in my teaching career when I did that, but it was like some of the skills that I learned to teach special ed kids. I was like, holy cow, I would have been a way better teacher the last three years if I would have, <laughs> if I would have had these skills in my tool belt. hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah. So, so they're, they're yeah. going to make some changes on that because it's, it's super important that we have staff that can work with all kinds of students. <laughs> Right? It's our kids. It's yeah. our kids. It's not yeah. their kids. My kids are yeah. kids. Yeah. hundred percent preaching to the choir sister. <laughs> I know. I know. You're my people. <laughs> I am on that train all day, all night. <laughs> I was going to say, so I started out in career technical education and every career technical education teacher in the district has many, many students with special needs in their yeah. classes. So it was, I, I agree with the both of you. It, yeah. everyone needs to know how, have, how to teach students with special needs or not even that, like I'm, I've been to the universal design learning now. And yeah. I just, I really am hopeful for the way the direction yeah. things are going. And instead of, I don't know, categorizing kids that were just teaching all kids with what they need. I, yeah. I just really like that direction. I just keep going. thinking once we get this train gen ed teachers that are going through credentialing too, just look at, I think our numbers of kids that qualify for special ed, because we're going to be able to intervene early and Correct. get them the support they need before we have to test them and say, okay, let's put you in special ed. You qualify for special ed because you need the support. I just keep going back to like the MTSS pyramid and tier, yeah. like, it's like tier one with all kids. At the end of the day, really, all parents just want to know that if their kid needs help, they're going to get it. Yes. Evil to most parents does not matter. You know, it it, it yes. shouldn't matter to staff either. It's are they getting help, and and how can we organize our system so that kids get help when they need it on what they need? And yeah, wait, we're wasting our time if we waiting we're waiting for them to qualify. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. All right. So with that piece, let's take us into kind of like your teaching career yes. and, you know, your movement up the, the hierarchy yeah. ladder into admin and uh, what land did you hear now as ad, admin director in SPED? Awesome. So about 20 years ago, I did my student teaching at El Cerrito Elementary when it was still an elementary school. Um, and so it was 20 years ago, actually, I did my teaching in a special day class that year, El Cerrito elementary closed down and, and they were, you know, they had a space at Gerritsen following the principal that was there at El Cerrito elementary, who was John Reynoso. And so John says, Hey, I've space at Gerritsen. You want to come with me? And so I said, of course, cause I, I loved working with John. So Hollings, uh, I did their resource. I was a resource teacher there. Um, it was in, back in the day where all those schools were year round schools. They were, you know, over a thousand kids. There was a lot of people, you know, it was, a, it was very different. Then Eastville started growing. They started pulling some teachers here, there and everywhere. Um, so some of the teachers from our school ended up going to Eastville L. And so I got to, I was moved from resource and I thought, you know what, I need to take a try at gen ed. So I tried uh, fourth grade I taught fourth grade for a couple of years. And then at that point I had a, the, a principal that says, you know what, I have a title one teacher and special assignment position open. Um, you're going to be in charge of the after school program, parent involvement. And I said, well, that's my jam. Like all of that I can do, you know, hands down in a story, put me in, put me in coach. I was ready. And so I started doing that for a couple of years and, and I loved it. I, I just thought it was great to be able to reach out to families, helped organize intervention programs. I had that special ed background that helped me help to design intervention. It was, it was great. And um, stayed there at Stallings total, I think of about eight years ish. And then I had a principal at the time, Carol Cornell. She said, Hey, Trisha, I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but I really think uh, you need to be an administrator. And I was like, uh, nah, I don't think that's going to work, Carol. 
I said, I, I really, I think that I, I really need to stick with this teaching thing. I love kids. I love working with other adults. She's like, but you are like a natural leader. People listen to you. You know how to organize things. You get it going. I was like, eh. so, and I, at that point I was like, I am not going back to school. I have got, I had two little ones at home. And, and at that point in time, I was going through a divorce. I had two little ones at home. I thought, I cannot, this is not the time in my life. So I went and took the CPACE, the exam to be an administrator. I did not feel like going back to school, passed it. And uh, I was picked up to be AP at Corona Ranch. And so then I went to AP Corona Ranch for a couple of years. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Worked under Jeannie uh, Trevino and just learned so much. Um, She's one of our veteran principals. She's been running that school for quite a long time. Just, she does a great job and she does a great job of raising leaders around her. So um, I was there for a couple of years and I had done Title I kind of experiences for a long time. I'd been at Gerritsen, I'd been at Stallings, El Cerrito. Uh, Corona Ranch has a little bit of Title I. They, every once in a while they're Title I and they, they serve a large group from Home Gardens as well. And then principal positions came up and I said, well, I'm just going to go for it, right? Go for a principal position. And then they call me and they're like, you're going to Barton. And I was like, oh, you're not sending me to Title I? <laughs> like, and I said, I, I, I'm a Title I girl. That is what I know. I know interventions. I know how to work with our EL parents. They're like, no, you're going to Barton and you're going to be starting a gate magnet program. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and I think they did it to stretch me. You know, I think it was like, you've seen this experience. Now we're going to teach you something different. So they had me there a year and then they, they threw me the wrench of, hey, you're going to have to, you're going to work with your staff because now you're going from year round to traditional, your second year being a principal. And, and, and your staff's going to have to get on board with this whole schedule change. It was a whole bunch of stuff. So did that. Um, I was only principal for two years. And then uh, this opportunity came up and I, I really feel myself, the, the way I've always said it, and I've said this to Dr. B and uh, to, other, to other administrators that I work for, I will do whatever the organization requires. And when I see that there's a space, when I see that there's something that I can bring to an area, I'm going to jump in, right? both feet jump in. And I was looking around the district and I saw this position come up and I said, oh my gosh, this is me. Like, I, I know how to get people on a train and move it in a direction. I know how to communicate well. I know there are the things I know how to do about this. And I, I know I can do this. I have a SPED background. I have a gen ed background. I have a site level leader background. I know our, I know, and I love our district and, and, and I want it to do well. And I know that this is an area that of need. So I jumped in and got it. And I've never learned so much in my life as I over the, have over the past four years. <laughs> it has been a nonstop learning train, let me just tell you, of just how to move in an organization, how to work with all kinds of staff, how to really take the unique needs of, of all kinds of schools into consideration when you're making decisions for students. And the pandemic year is a year of learning like nobody, oh, nobody's business, friends. I think we're all in that boat on that one. But it's really, there's been a lot of growth uh, professionally that's happened over the past four years. And I just couldn't be more excited about everything that's happened. And, you know, in the meantime, there's been family changes for me. There's been great family changes. Um, I didn't even talk about my own family through all this. But yeah, I have, I have five kids that I work with that I, that I am responsible for on top of the 7,200 on IEPs in our district. So yeah, we have two adult, I have two adult stepkids and two teenagers, which is super fun. They're super fun, actually. They're great. (laughs) And uh, I have a six-year-old as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I like talking the mom piece because we're yes. all moms here. Yeah. That, you know, in one area, as long you know, as you I've talk been the dad piece when we get a dad on here. Oh, 100%. One okay. we have some we have, we have some dads lined up too. Okay. Yep. Great. Yes. I want to make sure you yeah. get that so, question in there. <laughs> I know one piece, and Dana and I have talked about it a little bit in other areas, but that mom guilt struggle, oh yeah, you know, and that work-life balance, oh, yeah, you know, in our jobs, it's hard to come home and turn it off because we are, I mean, we're on the clock 24 seven. So oh, yeah. about that, you know, that mom life, that yeah. mom and uh, by day, I mean, we're superheroes by day and by night, I think, in totally. our, you know, there are two roles, but trying to marry the two roles to keep our own sanity. 
Yes. And I, I, I feel like we all need to like write a book about this in the end. Cause it is an internal, like interesting struggle that we all play. Right. So I think the best way to describe it is that I, I make sure my kids know that part of why I do what I do is to make a better world for them and, and to make a better world for the friends that they're around. And, and, and it's cool. Cause my daughter will be like, Hey mom, I know that so-and-so is probably one of your students. And I, I you know, I never say anything, but, and, and, and she's like, it, it, just the great conversations. My kids have a vested interest. They make sure that they know I have a vested interest in what, what happens in Corona Norco because of them for 16 years that I've been in Corona Norco, I've, I've had a child. So, and I will have a child in CNUSD for the next, uh, let's see, 13 years at least. Um, Cause I have a kindergartner right now, oh, 12 years. Uh, for the next 12 years, I will have a kiddo in CNUSD. And so it's, it, there's a vested interest that happens around here. The other part of it is that my husband is a first responder in the area in Corona. Um, so there's a huge community part to our family that our kids we always tell our kids about serving your community is part of your role. We're Christians. So it's part of your role as a Christian is to make sure that you're serving your community and that you are being there for the people that need it. Um, and so it means like dragging my kids to things on the weekend that I go to a food drive or we're going to go to this, we're going to this fundraiser, not during COVID has been a little different on that stuff, but I make my kids part of it. Like this is our role as being part of this community, you know, and, and it's huge to us. So I think that that's a huge part of it. And also really having a partner that, that respects your role and that, that really is there to support and making sure that you support them as well. Like there's a huge piece of, I have to support my husband in being a working dad just as much as he has to support me in being a working mom. Um, because there's a, there's a sacrifice that we both take in order to do that. Right. And so that, that is huge for us, but I, I do, I talk mental health with my own children quite a lot. This is a, this is a, a daily conversation in our house for a lot of different reasons. So uh, just so much the other night, uh, it was a late night board meeting night, probably 12 hour day. I'd literally drive about two blocks home. It, it, I live really close. So that, that whole, like, I don't really have that. So I get home and all of a sudden I met with, I'm going to need this textbook. And so-and-so said this about me on Instagram and then, and I'm like, okay. I said, I love you. I'm going to need like five minutes. So I just am very clear with my expectations. And I tell them I had a long day. I, I'm going to need a little bit of time. Like, and, and I feel like as long as we're telling our kids and honest with our kids, then they're going to, they're going to emulate those things when they need a break or when they need a timeout. Like, and, and we have to be able to be honest about that. Um, so I talk with my kids all the time about their need to, you know, control their own stress and their own mental health and really be good for them and make sure that they know that it's okay to be good for yourself in order for you to be good for others. So that's, that's a big piece as far as the work mom balance, but organization is key. I'm telling you, I've got like my routine, like Sundays, I get, I cook food for the whole week. We are solid. We are good. I, I do all my meal prep on the weekends. I make sure that this family can run when I'm working 12 hour days and, and it's important, you know, and and then I, I don't, I'm not ashamed to admit on the weekends, we play hard <laughs> from Friday night to Sunday night. We have this outing and we're doing this and we're going here and we're going to see these friends. And, and I make sure that my kids know that even though during the week where, you know, I'm focused on work and they're focused on school, we do have our family time on the weekend as well. So it's, it's not easy and it's never going to be a balance that you're always going to feel pulled in both directions. But I, I make sure that my staff knows that their family needs to come first. It's huge. Your, your family always needs to come first. Like I said, I've, I've been divorced once and I wouldn't say that makes me a pro at marriage, <laughs> but it does mean that I know that you need to, you need to water the grass. So you always need to make sure that you're taking care of your family, right? And then the things that need to happen there. So I've had to learn that and it's been a, it's been a great learning experience for me. So, yeah, I guess that, that would be the best way to describe how I, how I juggle the mom guilt. Yeah. But. I love, I love it. The, the work hard, play hard. We like to play hard on the weekends too, going out, doing family stuff, because like, I, I agree, getting them part of what you do. 
And, you know, not as much as you're a part of their life, having them be a part of your work life, it makes the chaos a little less, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And just keeping it real with them. Like, you know, your kids, in order for your kids to be able to adapt when they're adults, they have to see and hear how you've had to adapt as an adult. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, I remember reading, it must have been, it, it was probably a long time ago, but you had to, you, spoke about how your husband's a first responder you had to quarantine we did I just remember you had this whole like routine I was yeah I was trying to what wrap my head how you did that and you worked and then part of your family yeah so being a first responder wife in in a good year uh, is is rough add a fire season and a pandemic to it and it's like a whole new breed of special um, and fire season and beginning of the school year are always the same like month, which is fabulous. So, but the pandemic was interesting. So we actually, March 13th, my husband was exposed that day. So he, and that was before we even knew what we were doing. Right. And so he got off work, came home, kissed my son, kissed me, kissed my son, and then got a call that said the patient the night before was likely COVID positive. And he had already come home and kissed us. Well, he had to be taken back to the station, had to quarantine. So it kind of set in emotion, kind of like our protocols for what would happen for all of COVID. So um, we were very good at first. He would um, come home, uh, you know, pretty much take a shower in the downstairs shower, shower. This was like when things were happening. But there's been times where he'd run, you know, 10 to 12 COVID calls in a 24 hour period. So when you say like, have you been exposed to anybody? I'm like, yeah, like all day, every day, (laughs) you know, and it was, it's been like our world. And so there's been quite, quite a few times. It was very interesting just to kind of be that part of it, because I I say this to people all the time, perspective is huge, right? And so when I talk about like my worst day, it's nothing compared to what his worst day is. And so I I really try and bring that back to people because when I, because a lot of times we know as administrator, people come to you and like, this is wrong and this is, and, and they want you to they want you to own that for them, right? And and I try and li- I'll listen all day, but I've learned not to own things, own the pain of people because owning other people's pain, I will have empathy, but I can't I can't destroy myself to to help them feel better, right? And so I, there's always been that like I really try and like um, weigh the best way to deal with those situations, and and I like I, again his worst day. And my worst day, not even in the same world. So uh, it, that's been a huge, I think, saver, I think, for both of us in, in that I, my stress level, I've learned how to deal, to manage very, very well. So I don't, I don't feel that kind of stress like I did when I first started this role four years ago. Uh, the stress was, was, was amazing. I, I, ne- I never thought that I would be in that place. And now I very much know how to roll with it. And, and not absorb it. And so that's a, I think a, an, a leadership skill that they don't teach in your admin classes, <laughs> but it is. Do def- you think some of that though is experience too? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And just, and just really learning how to, uh, learning how to deal with stress in your body is a, is a huge skill. I think that people do learn over time and, and, um, some people are great at it naturally and some people have to work at it. And, and that, that's been interesting. So, and I think females are, a lot of times feel a lot. And so that, that feeling and, and that, and, and really that the empathy that a lot of times some of us are, is very natural to us, uh, causes us sometimes to, to feel a little bit more stressed about things. And so I just had to be really mindful about that. But yeah, being a first responder wife's been interesting during a pandemic. Yeah. I just remember reading that story early on. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow, this is real. Like, <laughs> But you touch on an interesting, you said with some perspective, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Brene Brown that said to have really have that empathy, but with a dose of perspective. Totally. Because so like I'll hear good friends of mine and we're all struggling right now. Like they'll say I'm lonely and like, I just, you know, I just want to go to a concert again. I just want to, so like, we'll live there for some moments, right? Because we're all feeling that way, but then we'll have that dose of perspective, like that people have lost loved ones. hundred percent. And then it's like, okay, 
I can, I can endure, I can endure not going to a concert. (laughs) Here's the thing. And the other perspective is we were all living. I felt like we were all kind of in that rat race and the pandemic hit. Right. And then now we've all learned in our families, there's a different kind of our new normal or whatever it is that has so many positives to it in so many ways for our families and the way that our families interact and um, just the way we prioritize things. I, I hope to God we don't go back to everything that it was before because there's some great things to slowing down and to and relying on your family for things and being close and 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 there's some great things that have come out of it that I hope we I hope we learn from it and learn that that, that there's other ways we could be living I don't know that was that's just my own personal it's thing. funny that you bring that up because we were a uh, few of us today at work we're actually having that conversation about you know everybody says all the you know the loneliness the being in the house but we are talking like I know for myself and even some of my colleagues that we were talking about, the sense of community, not just our family that we got to bond with, our community, like neighbors, like we've lived in the same house for five years in the first three and a half years, four years, we barely spoke to our neighbors other than a high when they were outside the, you know, the pandemic hit and now all of a sudden we're all sitting in lawn chairs out front talking in this summer we actually traveled up because we we were like crying because they actually sold their house and moved and retired and these are people these are people a year ago we didn't even talk to 100 yeah and just kind of a return to it I don't know I don't know if it's it's not even family values but it's just that that idea that the family unit has so much to provide and really really coming back to that right what can our family unit provide and so that's been it's been fascinating <laughs> in so many ways. And yeah. Yeah. In some ways it's made us healthier because I agree. Yeah. We realize if we're watering this, you know, our grass at home yeah. that we're stronger and better able to serve our community yeah. and the people that we serve if, instead of constantly feeling like we're not giving that part of our life the attention that it needs. Exactly. Exactly. So I hope one of my hopes too is I like how the pandemic has highlighted work. I don't know, being addicted to work. What's the word I'm looking yeah. for? Like that it's not healthy. No. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, those are one of the things that like, well, there, you have and to that have social emotional health. has. Yeah. Come, yeah. You have to have clear boundaries on, in your in your work and in your, in your home life. And, and a lot of people don't. Right. And, and so I am not one of those, the people that I work with, no, I'm not calling them at nighttime unless there's like blood or danger. Like there is, yeah. that, that is not happening because I, that is not what I preach in my, for my home. Um, I really do try when I get home for, you know, at the time I get home until everybody's in bed, not to touch email. I, I try very hard at that because I need to know that my kids get the best of me um, because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not going to matter whether, sorry, it's not going to matter whether that email was answered and my kids are going to remember whether I listened to them at dinner time. So I, I just, I, and I, I know I'm not all administrators are like that, but I, that's something that's important to me. And I, I don't ever want to yeah. feel like I'm jipping my kids, you know? But what's important was what you said earlier, too, that you make that okay for your staff to know that, too. Um, And I think that's that's hard. I know in some of my past experiences when I've had and I think that comes with being a female, too, being a female leader, because I've I've been under some some males um, leaders that 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 family priority wasn't there. It was your job first. And then, so I think it's so important, especially for us moms who have mom guilt, like knowing that it's okay. It is huge. Well, you're not going to do bet. You're not going to do your best in your work environment and your home environment. If you feel like you, you, if you're constantly feeling like you do more, we do so much like, um, females are one of the most 
amazing multitasking creatures that ever walked the earth. Like they, I mean, I, I, I crack up all the time because I tell my kids, like, I don't know why anybody would ever doubt that a female could lead a country or females gave birth. They gave like life to people. Like, how could you doubt that a female could ever do anything amazing? It's like, need I say more? I gave birth. I'm like, need I say more? Done. <laughs> Humans came out of me, drop the mic, done. Like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's interesting that because I have a husband that's an educator and your husband is in a service oriented job. And I think I really am thankful that I have a husband that has that heart for service like I do, because it's really made it easier for us to be supportive of each other. So, and I, I'm just thinking about like, we're saying how awesome we are, but I think about how much you're right that like you said as long as you're gonna ask dads the same question like my husband does a lot so I'm sure you're you from what you've highlighted what your husband does I'm sure he has a lot of the same struggles you do like where he needs to come home and turn off he does yeah and And so we have routines you know and and thank god the fire department has done a lot of they've done work with classes um for us just to kind of help because there's a high adrenaline job and when they're they run that high obviously there's effects that can come back to the house Um, and so they've done a lot of work with us they do mental health workshops for the wives to help us and they do workshop for the husbands as well just to kind of help with that because it is a transition they live in a they live in a different reality when they're at the station Um, the things that they see. And then when they come home to us, we kind of have to help them acclimate to, okay, not everything is going to be an alarm in the middle of the night. Not everything is blood and guts everywhere. Like there's, sorry, like that's really, that's, that's our reality. Right. And so very, it's an interesting job (laughs) for sure. Um, But he's very passionate about it and he's passionate about his community, which makes it very easy for us to support each other. So it is uh, I swear all roads lead to social emotional learning. Like that is another highlight of the pandemic. And yeah. I'm so glad to hear that they're doing that because so my science background, I'm often fascinated with astronauts and especially with the new focus on space. And one of the things they did really poorly in the beginning when we first sent people to space was we didn't take care of their mental health. And if you hear like some of their stories and they came back and how they couldn't acclimate back into real life and how it was so hard for them. Yeah. So I'm so happy to hear that we're taking care of yeah. mental health in new ways in, yeah. in many different jobs, you know, yeah. I, I just think it's so important. It's huge. I mean, the, the impact of mental health is uh, something that affects every single family and it, it's so often not talked about and so often like swept under the rug. And it's one of those things that can be probably one of the largest stresses on families that, that we know of. Um, and we've dealt with it in our home and it's been, uh, it can be devastating to families and, and it is just, it's so hard because there's so much stigma attached to it and there's so much pain attached to it. Um, and it is so incredibly common that it's so hard that it, that it is that way. And so there's just a lot, uh, there's a lot of learning. I think we all need to do and, and just really being honest about it. Right. Like, we would talk about asthma. We would talk about, we would talk about allergies. We would talk about cancer. Um, this is really no, this is no different in any way. Um, and, and so it's just making sure that we're real about that with families and making sure that we're providing those supports because really that that's huge. When kids graduate high school, it's great that they know reading and math, but do they know how to get along with their peers? Do they know how to regulate their stress? Do they know how, you know, do they know how to relate to others? The, those are all more important than the actual hard skills of knowing those things. Because ultimately when I go to hire somebody, I want to know, great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you can teach that, but do you know how to relate to kids? Because if you don't, I, I don't know that I could hire you. Right. And, and same thing for any other career. I, that's great that you know that, but can you work in a group? And so it's been a very interesting road. Um, and you know, we're, my husband and I are educated people. We, serve our community and we still were hit with the mental health issue in our home and it's uh it can be overwhelming for families 
Well, I think a cool thing too, because we kind of talked about the gen ed special ed in the credentialing program. Yeah. I know they're making that shift too, that including more of those SEL skills in yes. teaching. And so that's going to be, I mean, I we're going to have some fabulous educators here. Oh, and not that we I'm don't so have ready. fabulous educators yeah. now, but equipped for this day and age student when they're coming out of their credential program. Well, we're already program. seeing that in some of the teachers that we're getting. They're like, okay, so who's my co-teaching partner? And they come out of the yes. university asking that, right? Like, who am I co-teaching this with? And we're like, oh, um, we're working now on it. Now it's time for our education system to catch up with these new people. Agreed. Are, Agreed. What the universities are pumping out because they come out with all these fabulous ideas totally. and, and they, they get halted. Like, That's not how we do it here. <laughs> right? But why? Because we we haven't done it over the last 200 years, you know? So yeah. I, it's, I think, if anything, the pandemic has exposed a lot of things. Absolutely. And, and it will I change. I think we will change. all aspects are going to change. And so, I, I got, I pray that we don't go back to the way things were because there we are so, yeah. it can be so amazing. It's going to be so amazing It is what's going to come out of this. So when I think the choices that we provide kids is really what makes us as a system, right? Like kids need to know that there are so many different options for them. And I think in that regard, I love where I'm at because we do provide choices, but there is always room to grow in that area because every kid should walk out of here knowing that's what I wanted to do then. This is what I want to do. Like that needs to be what our goal is, is that everybody has a choice in what they do. And have the ed skills, the tech skills, and the mental, social, emotional skills to be able to conquer it Agreed. and be successful. So I, I, so I love your, we asked you if you had a call to action. Yes. What would you say? Can you speak to that a little bit? I I can. And I think, I can't remember what I wrote exactly, but I know it had to do with inclusion and be making sure that we're including all because inclusion is at the heart of everything that I preach and everything that I do. I insert myself in everything under the sun that I can in the district office to make sure that the, the needs of all students are at the forefront of everybody's mind. And I, and I, I'm a strong believer in the fact that kids do better when they're, when they're around typically developing peers, there's 40 plus years of research to back that. And I really do feel like um, the kids that learn the most in inclusion settings are the students without disabilities. And I feel like if, if we don't think about that as a very strong place to move forward, we need to grow um, empathetic adults. And the best way to do that is to make sure that we're always asking our kids to, to be around all kinds of kids, right? Because that's huge. My, like my own kids know that I preach this. So uh, they, they make sure to friend everyone. And, and that's a huge piece because that's, again, part of our role is that we, we need to have friends that don't look like us. We need to have friends that don't act like us. We need to fr have friends that aren't like us. And, and that's how you, that is exactly how you make the, your community and your world a better place. And so that is my call to action is to make sure that we are looking for opportunities for all students to be together because of the learning that can happen between all kinds of kids. Um, and I just, you know, and there's a great quote I post, posted the other day. It said, if one in 20 kids has a disability, then 19 in 20 kids get to learn empathy, inclusion, and, and compassion. And, and that is huge, huge, huge. So that's, that's my biggest piece because we're humans, right? And humans want to belong. Yeah. I would go a step further than that too and say when I, so when I came up to teacher induction, and co got to collab with Andrea Mazo, who was amazing educator. So I yeah. learned so much from her. And I almost feel like even that, like not just kids, but like educators, when we collab beside a special education teacher. Yeah. It just, I learned so much about things that I never thought about in that way. And because I didn't have the experience, she did. Yeah. So... I kind of feel like it's at the teaching level too, that it would be Absolutely. actually, we had a collab today with some of the TSAs and I think it was Sandra was like, I would love to collab with yeah. a general ed teacher well, and create something. Sandra is here on purpose today. <laughs> Just the more like 
worldly knowledge you can have, the more exposure you can have to different people, different things, it's never going to do you wrong. (laughs) And really the sped lens is, uh, Reggie talks about this a lot. And, and this, the idea of having a sped lens is that if you started planning things as if you were a sped teacher, you would cover everyone's needs from the very outset, right? Like that, that would be, everyone would be, if you plan from there, everybody's going to be taken care of, right? And that's a huge piece that we're trying to bring out there is that if we just start with that mindset, you're solid. Yeah. So, well, one thing, what I would, what I love is that your call of action talks about the, the inclusion and, and all. And what, one thing we like to do is for whoever our guest is, we like to promote a charity of choice. And I absolutely love your charity. I know the Moore family. So why don't you talk a little bit about ABC Hopes? All right. ABC Hopes is all about Christopher, all because of Christopher, sorry. Um, it is the Moore family. They're a local Corona family. Um, Christopher is a young adult with Down syndrome, and they have this organization that really just talks about really getting these young adults and, and allowing them to be part of their community in a variety of different ways. And some of those ways are, uh, I've seen them work farmers markets. They are always at the gym together. They do all kinds of fun activities. It's really meant to bring those young adults in and make them feel far, part of the community and provide them with leadership opportunities as well um, to be to be active members of their uh, community. Um, so you'll see them at all kinds of different community events. Uh, Katie Moore is the leader of the organization and she is Christopher's sister. And I, I checked with her to make sure I was good. She goes, oh, I'd love for you to put us on there. So uh, they are just a fabulous family and really, um, and one of their sisters is one of our adult transition teachers as well in the district. And so it just is a great, um, great organization that's that's working with these families for when the kids are most sometimes high schoolish, but a lot of times young adult age and really helping them connect to the community. So um, they're just fabulous. And I think, you know, I love it when families are really involved and passionate about what's going on with their, with their child and now adult. So um, that's why I wanted to highlight them here. Well, and that's what I love about them. You know, they, they, um, they didn't see it as just an opportunity for Christopher. It yeah. was like, there's so many, you know, yeah. disabled adults that yeah. can benefit from this. And the Moors have the biggest heart in the entire yeah. world. Yes. So, I mean, they do. It's yeah, like, it do. doesn't matter who you are. I'll help yeah. you. I, yeah. God, they're, all, they're amazing. They're fabulous. They're so I knew I had to highlight them here for sure. Time where we're going to do a little rapid fire question. All Don't right. think about them. Just okay. whatever comes to your mind first, uh, just say it. All right. Okay. So favorite color? Green. <laughs> morning person or a night owl? Morning. I know. I'm a morning person too. <laughs> I hate nights. <laughs> Ready? Favorite boy band? New Kids on the Block. Of course. <laughs> Is there anyone else? <laughs> like, I don't even know how else you answer that question. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. I mean, they are the boy. They oh, are the ones oh, that started oh. boy band. You have, I know, oh, right? Stuff. <laughs> All right. So, so what song? And it might be an NKOTB song. What song will get you on the dance floor? Oh well, it's not NKOTB. I will. It's Yeah by Usher. Like, oh, oh. that's a good one. <laughs> All day. All day. Every day. I don't even think it's a dance floor. It's no matter where you are, if you hear it that song, matter. you just... I mean, it's not a leadership meeting. I'm going to do my moves to it. I got some moves for that one. <laughs> right? All right. Now, do you still have a landline in your home? No. Why would you need okay. that? I, I don't know. There there are some of those people out there, I guess. But I, I, don't, know. I don't know them. <laughs> are you a Twitter or an Instagram gal? You know what? I'm really bad. I'm either one, really. I don't, I don't really do a lot on either one, but I totally am on, I'm still old school. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> your Facebook. Oh, as our kids in high school would say, you're so old. I really am old. <laughs> like, always tell the kid that's the best communication to your mom. <laughs> yeah, <I> totally. <laughs> what is your favorite or your go-to emoji when you're texting? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. That, does that count? Yeah. One. Thumbs up. Yeah. Totally. That's an emoji. And then not really a a fun rapid fire, but leave us with this one piece of advice 
in for our educational leaders? Uh, this is a good one. And so I, I am going to take a little bit of page out of Brené Brown's, but uh, remembering that you're in the arena, uh, this is actually the Teddy Roosevelt quote, the man in the arena is um, always remember that you're doing a hard job. So there's going to be a lot of people in the cheap seats that have a lot to say, and yet you're the one that's going to take the hits for it. Just remember to be true to yourself when you're taking those hits and that know that you're doing the best that you absolutely can. Um, and really keep kids at the heart of everything, every decision that you make. Because like when we started, you said sin can be a lonely place, um, but it doesn't have to be lonely for the reasons that you think it is. It, it, it really can be just that maybe you're the only, only one at that moment that's thinking of kids first. And, and that's an okay place to be if you're lonely. So uh, yeah, just keeping in mind that if you're, in, if you're the one making the calls, sometimes you have to kind of turn off the cheap, cheap seats. That's great advice. I <laughs> love the in the arena. Oh, so good. I actually have a gigantic story. poster of it that's going to be going up in my office that a friend made for me because I just, that one speaks to me so much. I just I love, love me it. some Renee Brown. So oh, that's I mean, true. I mean, if she just says it, it's gold to all me. All day. <laughs> oh, she is pretty fabulous. And you are pretty fabulous too, Trisha Thompson. Thank you for being on this episode. If you liked that episode, don't forget to give us a five-star rating. We will do a happy dance every time that happens. Find new episodes every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to interact with our listeners. Engage with us on our website, barriers2bridgespod.simplecast.com, where you can also find our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or email us at barriers2bridgespod at gmail.com. Have a fabulous day overcoming barriers and building those bridges. This episode was co-produced by Melissa Baco and Dana Barron. My mom, Dana Barron, did all of the editing. Thank you for listening.